Welcome back to another episode of Dreamers Den Podcast. I'm Danielle Towner, and today we have a guest with us, Miss um, Sarah Olivieri. She is a nonprofit strategist, and she's the founder of Pivot Ground. And her passion is helping organizations thrive in the digital age, which is very critical because everything now is converting to digital and you need a digital presence, a web presence, and um, you need to capture people's attention in that way. Sarah, her specialty is um, helping human service nonprofits increase their capacity, deliver better programming, and attract more funding. So um, she's somebody um, for all you nonprofits who are looking to grow and expand and to bring more funding into your organization. She's someone that you need to pay attention to. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Danielle. It's great to be here. Thank you for coming on. Um, Now we have a few questions for you and um, this is some good stuff, so I'm ready to dig right into it. Excellent. Let's go. No time like the present. <laughs> okay. So now, as we were just talking about um, with the digital impact, digital fundraising is an avenue that some nonprofits, they, they still haven't got a grasp of it or they haven't begun to explore it. So um, what advice do you have for those who desire to add this element to their plans? Sure. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, what you just said, like having a digital presence is really important. That's only kind of half the picture of the digital story. You know, that's your property online, where you exist online. But the other half of digital is really about how we communicate with each other, how we engage with each other. And we're using digital tools to communicate all the time, whether it's a chat tool or social media, email, a form from our website, um, there are also, you know, all sorts of apps on people's phones are helping people communicate and collaborate mm-hmm. and do things together. Um, right. So when it comes to fundraising, you know, the probably the most fundamental piece of fundraising is engaging your donors, having that conversation with your donors. And so if you're not doing digital fundraising, you are missing out on that opportunity to be communicating with your donors in this way that so many of us are communicating more often than not, we're communicating digitally. Um, Mm -hmm. So number one piece of advice is definitely do digital fundraising. Um, And if the communication piece weren't convincing Mm -hmm. enough, what a lot of nonprofits are doing is they're doing fundraising events. Everybody knows the gala, the fundraising dinner. Right. Unfortunately, That is the hardest, most expensive way to fundraise of all the kinds of fundraising. Mm. So um, I really encourage you. I know it's easy because it's tangible to think about those events, but really try to, if you can carve out some time from doing that and think about doing some digital fundraising. Um, This is a big, big topic. Um, So, you know, starting on digital fundraising, I'd say, Probably the number one thing you can do to get started is write one or preferably multiple emails that everybody who joins your list or every new donor who donates to you for the first time receives, um, basically kind of 
bringing them on as a donor and moving them towards their second donation. When somebody has made a second donation, the chance that they will donate again and again goes way up. So getting that donor the first to make the first donation is big, but that's not where your journey needs to end. You really need to push on through to getting them to making that second gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And most um, email tools will do this for you. Technically, it's called a drip campaign, like a drip of water or a Mm -hmm. drop of water um, dripping. Uh, so, and there are certainly tools you can pay for that will do this, um, in very complex ways, but, um, even MailChimp will do this when somebody signs up to your email list, you just add an automated campaign where they see, receive, I like to say at least three emails and it depends, you know, introduce them to what your organization does, um, and go ahead and make that ask for more. Okay. Excellent. Now you have, um, 15 years of nonprofit leadership experience and it it shows I can tell um in with with that being said is there anything about digital fundraising that you wouldn't advise organizations to do oh man so (laughs) that's a great question I think everything about digital fundraising, if you put it through the filter of human psychology, it's less about the trick of the day and more about asking yourself, what is that human interaction that I'm trying to replicate using a digital tool? There's something about the internet that makes us like all socially stupid. (laughs) Things that we would (laughs) never ever say to someone in person We'll say it in an email. We'll say it on social media in a text message. (laughs) So you have to like check yourself with this filter of like, would this really mean something to somebody if I communicated it to them? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and yes, there are lots of tactics that come and go. Usually it's about getting noticed in a very crowded marketplace. There's lots of people um, doing fundraising or just selling stuff to your audience, trying to get them to spend their money instead of donate their money. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of kind of trends that come up are about getting noticed um, and they will be, they will come and they will go. So run it through that like age old human psychology psychology filter. One kind of pet peeve I have that I could share about is a lot of people when they hear digital fundraising, they think like um, crowdfunding and Mm -hmm. just kind of go back to like logically think about what is crowdfunding. Crowdfunding (laughs) is what nonprofits have always done. Mm -hmm. It's called individual donations. You go out and you say, would you donate to my project or my program? Right. <laughs> right. Um, crowdfunding was created by the for-profit world to create some sort of security so that people could donate to organizations essentially or pay for-profit organizations to do things um, in a more secure way. Um, right. right. So, you know, crowdfunding, like definitely leverage tools to help you raise money for a cause. Um, but again, that, you know, think about that human interaction and the name of the game really, when it comes to really building a solid, um, fundraising engine is to build individual donors who are recurring. They come back, they give to you every month, every year, every quarter, whatever works to them for them. All right. And I think it, it goes back to what you said with us wanting to be noticed or, 
um, to stand out. And sometimes we over communicate or try to use fancy language when it's unnecessary. And like you said, it's about building that relationship and that loyalty. That's right. And there is num- there's the n- a number one thing that is always good for relationships and loyalty. And it's authenticity. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. I've had nonprofits tell me, oh, we can't market ourselves because we have money. And if people think we have money, they won't give to us. And I've had another nonprofit say, well, we don't have any money. And if nobody, if somebody finds out we don't have any money, <laughs> nobody will give to us. If you started your nonprofit, there's probably a really good reason. If somebody started it, there's probably a really good reason. And somebody will probably give to you because what they want is to join you on your journey. And there are people who want to join you on your journey from having nothing to doing great things. And there are people who want to join you on your journey from being great and doing even more of that. Right. Absolutely. Now, um, let's break into something that is is taking off this year or, you know, so that's what I've heard or what I've observed. Artificial intelligence. Um, It's breaking new ground in our everyday functions and in the way we do business, even down to um, things like Alexa and Amazon and how people just function and gather information. And now some of us are not, or some people out there are not that familiar with it, Um, So could you share some details on how AI works and how it impacts digital fundraising? Sure. So um, I like to think about the, um, the printing press. I know we're going way back now, but the printing press was really revolutionary (laughs) because it it scaled our ability to have a one-to-many communication. One person could write a book and it could be printed thousands and thousands of times over and distributed um, throughout the world. And then we had the first version of the internet, which came around and was like the printing press times, times a million. You know, it was like one to many. We could then spread a message not only to the entire world, but almost instantly we could spread messages to the entire world. And, and it opened that up. Anybody could have the, the printing press at their fingertips. They could build a list and send, send a message to thousands and thousands of people from their home computer. Um, but something happened in... Uh, around, I think it was 2006, a number of things changed the way the internet technology fundamentally started working. And that had to do with, we started to collect more data and we started to use the internet to communicate a lot. And so with this data came the ability for compu- to program computers to start to kind of make basic decisions using that data. So like if you, if the computer knows I'm on my phone versus I'm on my computer, it can Mm -hmm. then, if I give it two options, say if they're on their phone, give them this, if they're on their computer, give them this other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So what this means is we are now in an age where instead of focusing on scaling our one-to-many communications, we have that, um, we're now able to scale our one-to-one communication. So that means, whereas before I could only have, um, you know, as many conversations as I could have in a day, I can now use technology to aid me in having almost personal one-to-one communications. They're one-to-one, but they're not like a hundred percent me. They're partially me. Um, so bringing this all the way around to artificial intelligence, Um, there's three kind of terms that I I like people to think about. 
artificial intelligence, automation, and augmentation. Um, so, and so I'll break these down for everybody. Artificial intelligence is basically when you teach a computer a, a bunch of rules to make decisions by, and information goes in, and it starts making very complicated decisions that kind of replace the human. And that's coming down in the, in the future more and more. It's becoming more accessible. Um, and this here now is um, automation, which means we've created kind of more manually a, um, if this happens, it's like the phone versus the laptop. If this happens, do this. If that happens, do the other thing. And it becomes very, very complex. But a person is saying, what happens if then? Um, whereas with artificial intelligence, the computer actually starts to decide what to do and make its own rules. The most exciting for me right now, especially for you know, smaller nonprofits who are on a budget, is what I call augmentation, which means there's a little artificial intelligence coming in, um, some conveniently produced information or some assistance that helps you do still what you do every day, but a little bit faster and a little bit easier. We see that already in like um, Google's email. If you use Gmail or the app, it will kind of pre-fill what it thinks you want to say. Um, and you can just click to write it in. Um, mm -hmm. Other things, you know, systems where when somebody calls you, it pulls up information about them. So you're like, have good context when you have that conversation. Um, or there are fundraising platforms that can recommend say, hey, this is probably a good time to reach out to one of your donors, or this is how much money you should ask them for next. Um, so it's supported information. Okay. That's great. Because it seems like, um, even though there's so many tools to help save time it seems like the more that innovation happens the less time we have <laughs> yes and you can get lost in the complexities I think with augmentation it comes very naturally and you're like oh I'm doing this much faster like I use a tool that tells me my appointments for tomorrow and it quickly pre-fills an email I just kind of click a button customize and then send saying, you know, our appointment is tomorrow at 1 p.m. And I'm still adding to that email. It's not totally automated, but I don't have mm -hmm. to look up the time. I don't have to put that into my email. It automatically puts it in their time zone. So it saves me like what was a five minute job is now like a 30 second job. Um, okay. But the, the automation piece, if you actually get into it, it's a totally different way of thinking. You have to imagine like multiple scenarios. It's like playing chess. So that's a really different, um, different kind of way of thinking, and it's not for everybody to kind of get into that. Gotcha. It's almost like you have to uh, begin with the end in mind and kind of work your way backwards. Yes, that's say. exactly it. In fact, most of marketing, which a lot of digital fundraising comes from basic roots of marketing, which I always say marketing is in what you have to offer um, and then engaging them so they'll take action with you. So when you, <laughs> when you plan out, you know, what we think about it, okay, we want pers person to do and go through this journey. But when you start to build the journey, you have to build it from the end back to the present. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So now that we have a better understanding of 
um, AI and how it's impacting things with fundraising, with digital fundraising, what are some of the tools that nonprofits can use to begin including AI in their fundraising strategies? That is a great question. So right now, as far as true artificial intelligence, um, most of the tools that have some of that are quite expensive. Um, so they might be prohibitive to the smaller organizations. Um, a lot of specifically in fundraising, what's happening is artificial intelligence is um, creating better reports. So it can take into account um, you know, a donor's activity, have they been donating more frequently or less frequently? Uh, it can grab data about their posts on social media, about their income, um, and basically start recommending to you things um, that may be considered information that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and like I said before, they can, the tools are beginning to tell you, like, this is what you should ask for next, or this is a good time to ask for a volunteer um, type activity as opposed to a dollar activity. Um, okay. But it's really artificial intelligence is just, just on the, on the beginning to come into fundraising. Um, but, but um, augmenting things is definitely very much in place. And uh, automated, um, automated communications is huge. And, and helping with things like renewing credit cards. There's just a lot of um, kind of housekeeping work involved with fundraising uh, that the technology is really helping with these days. Okay. Awesome. Now, when, as you're saying some of the smaller organizations um, some of them are working on working with a lean budget or a small staff or both. Um, so how can these nonprofits, the ones that are still trying to get off the ground, take advantage of such digital evolutions? Yeah, well, fortunately, there are more and more options every day. Um, I highly recommend that uh, nonprofits can have either the full Google suite for business or the full um, Microsoft suite uh, for free. I tend to prefer the Google suite for those who are looking to kind of be on the cutting edge because it's more about collaborating and communicating with the world. Um, so I think that's often a great place to start. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a tool, a service called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. That's a great, mm -hmm. it links two programs together, or it can actually perform simple automations. Um, so you can tell it to do certain things for you. Um, it's a great way to kind of play around and just get a feel for automating some things. They're called Zaps when you use Zapier. And for nonprofits, they can have the there's a free account, but there's a professional account, account, the next grade up, that is normally paid, but nonprofits can use that for free. Um, so that's a great resource for them. Otherwise, I would just kind of say, you know, there's a golden rule I have about tools because the number of tools are growing exponentially every year, which is I follow a hierarchy of people process tools, meaning the people have to come first and then like the, the processes or systems that work for them. And then finally, the tools that make that stuff work. We have this saying called like shiny object syndrome. It's so easy to look at a tool and get all excited about it. 
but you really have to do the what to some people is the boring work of kind of writing out what is it that I'm trying to accomplish and then what tool will help me accomplish that. And then each tool will probably have extra features that you're not going to use. Don't try to use all the extra features just so that you're maximizing the tool. Stick to, you know, who are your people? What do they need to get done? And what tool is going to do the job? Right. So in everything, it's always going to start with the plan. That's right. That's right. And you will, I mean, plan, I love plans and I don't think you can go wrong with a plan ever, but the <laughs> internet of all places, I, I call it, it's the infinite universe where the laws of physics change every month. You will get very, <laughs> very lost without a plan. You can waste many, many hours of your time. You can waste tons of money. So do not go into the internet without a plan. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, you are, you are full of information and full of energy and um, I don't see why any nonprofit wouldn't want to work with you and learn more. Um, could you share with everyone how they can collaborate with you or how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, in the future? Yeah, well, we've actually started on a mission this year. Um, to make organized, optimized, and thriving the new status quo for nonprofits. So if that sounds good to you, you should definitely get in <laughs> touch with me. Um, our website is pivotground.com, P-I-V-O-T-G-R-O-U-N-D.com. And generally what we found, our secret sauce, which I just share with everybody because I believe in sharing the secrets, is that <laughs> strategy, having a plan is really, really important. But for most nonprofits, there's a step that needs to happen before that, which is leveraging their existing capacity so that they can actually take advantage of an amazing, bold strategy. So that's mm -hmm. always how we start with our clients. And for larger nonprofits, typically we take them through a process one-on-one. -on -one. And for smaller nonprofits, we have a group program, which is kind of a hybrid of learning the tools you need to get organized and optimized and then thrive, and then support from me, but more in a group setting. And it makes it both more affordable and more effective for the smaller nonprofits. Great. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing, and I really appreciate you coming on Dreamers Den podcast and chatting with us and teaching us more about uh, digital fundraising. Thank you. It's a pleasure and to be as, here. And as I always say to you, dream until your dreams come true. Thank you, guys. <laughs>